The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, oh yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Friday, December 1st. It's the first of the month, and today is National Pie Day, Antarctica Day, National Bartender Day. Shout out to all the bartenders out there. And National Eat a Red Apple Day, Fox Fur Day. I, I think... Th- uh, yeah, foe, foe, but I think it should be Fox Fur Day. And it is also World AIDS Day. And thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down there below on your on your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And we are also now streaming live on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. So welcome to anyone joining us from any of those audiences as well. But kicking it off today, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite, the Quasimodo caretaker who is still in L.A. Did not make it to MJ, but that's okay. That's right. It is the dope dad himself. It is Rico Lamite. We're well, on mute, Rico. You're being silenced by the left. Yep. You got to hit to the left button and unmute yourself. There you go. There you go. Now we can hear you. About a hee-haw. Yes. My mic is fucked up today. Can oh. you guys hear me? Yeah, we hear you perfect now. Yes. All right. So, uh, yeah, I didn't make it to the MJ Fist this year, and it's okay. Because I was here securing the bag, and the bag has been secured. <laughs> Let's talk about Australia today. Um, global destigmatization efforts continue, and we've seen more and more high-profile names tiptoe their way out of the green closet. But in, uh, but it hits a little different when we get past the celebrities and athletes and hear lawmakers talk about their own consumption habits. That's exactly what's happening in Australia. But does a couple of big-name down-under MPs, members of parliament, for those of you who don't know, um, proudly admitting that they're down to sesh with some of the best of us mean that the largest country in Oceania will soon be legalizing. A recent survey of a thousand participants conducted by a consumer insights company, Antenna. So it's a weird name for a consumer insights company, but okay. 
revealed around 8% of Australians are using medical marijuana after uh, either occasionally or regularly. Cannabis broke down the Medigrowth Commission study, revealing 22% of respondents either contemplated or obtained a cannabis prescription within 12 months, while four out of 10 would be comfortable telling their employer if they were taking the medicine. Very, very open down there. I like that. Uh, the study's results came uh, in wake of Victoria's premier, Jacinta Allen, treasurer Tim Pallas, and opposition leader John Pesuto, all owning up to experimenting with the can with cannabis at different times in their own lives. Australian um, political publication The Age reported that the revelations, revelations were made following the Labor government's indication that it would consider decriminalizing cannabis for personal use. Legalized Cannabis Party introduced a bill to legalize personal cannabis use in June, and the measure was introduced in Parliament in Victoria, New South Wales, and Western Australia on the same day. On Wednesday, Mental Health Minister Ingrid Stitt said the government's open to collaborating with experts, the community, and the legalized cannabis party regarding the potential legalization of personal cannabis consumption, but the labor cannot back the bill in its current form. Here's what she said. In relation to this bill, the uh, propo uh, that proposes to legalize the adult personal use of cannabis beyond the required uh, that required for medicinal reasons, we are unable to support it in its current form at this time. Uh, though he did say that he dabbled in the past, Premier Allen was also tepid in his own response during a presser on Thursday. Of course we would get advice. Of course we would seek advice. And in this instance, advice from the health experts. <laughs> That's why uh, we have indicated in the House yesterday that we would do what we would do, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a change to government policy as a consequence of these discussions. Um, from a report uh, in The Guardian, Treasurer Palace is open to adopting a health-focused strategy when addressing cannabis-related issues while avoiding laws that, decriminal, uh, that criminalize the plant. In a debate on Thursday, he said this, I don't think a criminal approach to this is best. A health approach would be best. And um, NSW is lagging on the cannabis reform. Uh, meanwhile, under a measure introduced by... In I'm just fumbling on my words today. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, under a measure introduced this November in the New South Wales Parliament could legally gift friends cannabis, grow up to six plants for their use, and possess a maximum of 50 grams. And that came from Vice. Legalized cannabis MP Jeremy Buckingham, who's behind the reform push, uh, brought a butt of weed. He brought a whole butt. It didn't show the picture of it. So I don't know if it was, you know, like a big cola. I don't know if it's like a little small, little, little popcorn. Uh, but um, he brought a bud of weed into Parliament, emphasizing that even though he obtained it legally by prescription, allegedly, uh, he would have ended up in jail if he gave it to someone else. What's to be afraid of? Here it is, Mr. President, a bit of cannabis, <laughs> medicinal cannabis. I note, Mr. President, that if I gave this medicine here to you, you would suffer a penalty of $10,000 and 10 years in jail. And so would I. It's a big point right there. I wish somebody would do that to uh, you know, Sleepy Joe uh, in the session of Congress. I don't think, I don't think uh, American uh, politicians have the, have the balls to do that, though. But separately in August, David Shoebridge, Greens senator from uh, New South Wales, presented the Greens Legalizing Cannabis Bill 2023 on Thursday, which would allow adult-use cannabis across the country. Interestingly, the Australian Medical Association does not support a measure from Shoebridge due to the potential health risks associated with the plant. 
Legalizing cannabis for recreational purposes sends the wrong signal to the public and especially to young Australians. The cannabis use, that cannabis use is not harmful. This is what Steve, uh, um, uh, Steve Robeson, professor, president of the AMA said. And um, medical-based, medical cannabis-based APDLX gets the green light by Health Canada. And um, uh, for their synthesized uh, CBD, oral solution by Jazz Pharmaceuticals PLC. It's been approved by the health, uh, uh, excuse me, um, it's been approved by Health Canada for use as injunctive therapy for treatment of seizures associated with Lennox-Gastet syndrome. I have no idea what that is. Uh, maybe my doctors here can help me out <laughs> with LGSs. Dravet Seizure syndrome. disorder. Seizure, okay. Uh, Dravet syndrome, what's that one? Dravet, Dravet, another seizure disorder. That's not form really, of intractable. Yeah. Or, or form of intractable in epilepsy that doesn't typically respond in some cases to anti-seizure medication. Interesting. Excellent. And um, tuberous sclerosis complex. What's that one? I feel like Jason today. It's yes. A, <laughs> tubular sclerosis. It's a malformation in the brain. Same gives you seizures, though. Okay. So Health Canada approval was based on results from five double-blind randomized placebo-controlled phase three clinical trials with a total of 939 LGS Dravet syndrome or TSC patients enrolled, making it one of the largest global clinical trial programs to date in rare refractory epilepsy syndromes. The approval of a PDLX is an important development for individuals living with specific rare epilepsies, their families, and clinicians across Canada. Uh, providing a new treatment option for those living with LGS, Dravet syndrome, or TSC. Um, a major move being made down in Australia. We don't know um, how close uh, they are to a legalization movement, but it looks like uh, Canada's making moves too. So not all is doom and gloom for our neighbors to the north. I'm interested in hearing what everybody else has to say about this. Big ups to the land down under. And I want to hear more American politicians coming out of the green closet too. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Happy December, everybody. Oh, yeah, it's December 1st. It's the first of the month. And, man, I, I mean, it's, it just sounds like uh, the, these guys are just making it easier and easier and easier for the pharmaceutical industry by allowing Epidiolex to be there. And while Epidiolex does help people, I, I didn't see a lot of things that, that, that in this article, or maybe I'm confused, Rico, but I didn't see a lot of it talk about, uh, like, adult use and them allowing that. They're just talking about medicines. But I mean, cannabis is medicine. I agree and with that. I agree with that. But, but, yes, but, you know, epidiolex yeah, is I a pharmaceutical grade yeah. medicine. Yeah. There, there is no cannabis. Wasn't product. the article? Go ahead, Doctor. Wasn't the article talking? Wasn't the article talking about uh, adult use? Wasn't that what the article was about? Adult use, getting yeah, an adult use. The yeah, the whole point of the article was uh, was talking about like the um, uh, the irony. Yeah. of hypocrisy the parliamentary members saying that yeah i used to use weed and then another guy comes into uh, the chamber and offers some weed to the president <laughs> and i would love to see a member of our congress do that and 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 they're pushing for it but um it seems like the government is just taking their medical stance and they're uh, they're sticking to their guns and they're uh, saying medical is medical but um you know the public is shifting you know, the, um, the surveys that they're doing with the public are saying that more and more people are saying that they're open mm -hmm. to legalization uh, or adult use. And, 
more and more people in Australia say like, yeah, I'll tell my boss now without it even being legalized. So um seems like they got more guts than Americans do. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, man. This is this is pretty it's it's pretty weird to see that the uh, the the ones in charge are like, okay, we're gonna keep on going down the medical route, and that's it. We're only going to be supporting what the medical use uh, and the studies mm-hmm. are telling us right now exactly is that has been proven. But um, the people are saying otherwise, and some of the members of Congress are saying otherwise too. Yeah, but they're saying it, but they're not doing anything. Nope, they're not. Not exactly. Yet. Well, I agree with the people. I agree with the people you know, the, too, Doctor. You know, uh, <laughs> twenty years ago when I got into this industry, I told myself that I wouldn't stop legalization from happening because cannabis is safer than aspirin, mm-hmm. and anyone can go into a CVS and purchase some aspirin. Um, The problem is, honestly, that the recreational market has diverted attention away from the medical uh, use of it and sort of um, ruined the uh, image of of medical users, and that's been problematic. Um, So, you know, I don't know if I'm right to support recreational use. I, I think that, honestly, I have to support recreational use. Or you know, at least access to cannabis without needing a doctor's recommendation because it is fairly safe. Um, but let's not forget the patients here; they they need it, and we need to study it. So, 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 Doctor T, you're just like if if cannabis was just available over the counter, that would be the way to go. Which basically it is through adult use, is what you're saying. And 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 under under those pretenses, yeah, over the counter rather yes. than this adult use. Yeah, recreational. Maybe we should start using that terminology of over the counter. You got it. Instead of adult use or even recreational, just over the counter. That's right. Yeah. yeah. OTC. Yeah. That's right. I'm not. I'm not mad at that. OTC OG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about what about home grow? Is that just <laughs> yeah, yeah. counter? A home grow the would be over counter? the home. Home grow would be in the back of the counter, technically. <laughs> Dr. Martin. Under the counter. That's the yeah, kid, under the, the cabinet. cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> in the cabinet. Yeah. Let, let's face it. Cannabis is not a drug, right? It's a medicinal herb, and it needs to be regulated as such. And and when a medicinal herb can provide relief to a human illness or condition, and there's many cases where cannabis can, it it should not only be lawful, but it should be encouraged before taking other pharmaceuticals with their litany of toxic side effects mm-hmm. but the the problem mark is that uh our fda is really a poor track record in rec- regulating uh, botanicals right medicinal herbs they, right. they are horrible at it and and so we run into problems whenever we ask them to do it i mean they've had hundreds of applications for medicinal herbs and only have approved three or four of them um you know so that's this really they don't know how to how to deal with it They've recognized that they need a new regulatory pathway. But I think the thing is, is that I think what this article really describes is that medicinal is often the thing that opens the door to adult use or recreational, whatever you want to call it, you know, just full legalization. And that's the way it's happened in many states, including California. Medicinal is first because those are the people who need the plant to stay alive. You, 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 you know, 
um, recreational use is just agonism of <laughs> your CB1 receptors. So, I mean, it's everything's medicinal, right, Doc? I mean, I, I don't want to preach to the choir because I think we're all on the same side of this is that, you know, there is no role for the pharmaceutical companies to play here because this is off-patented herbal medicine that's been used by humans for millennia and it just doesn't neatly fit into the FDA clinical trial regimen. Albeit, there are bold companies that are taking things like CBN through clinical trials with humans to prove anecdotally what we've kind of known for years is that CBN helps with sleep. There's now actually the publication that Dr. Talleran covered last month here on Hyatt 9 News that actually showed clinical data that, that CBN actually does work. I think that's Australia's tack here is to use, we, we've known for years that CBD uh, can control uh, ep epilepsies. Uh, Dr. Talleyrand, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen a kid in the middle of epileptic seizures get a dose of CBD oil under the tongue and the seizure stopped. I saw it with my own eye. I, I, you know, again, was skeptical. But I think that tells you that there is something to this. And certainly for those parents that are suffering, anguishing, you know, existence with these children that have this intractable form of epilepsy that doesn't respond to typical anti-seizure medication, Jason. That's an important distinction yeah. here because there is a litany of medicines that are used to control seizures. But some of these things just dope the kids up and now they just have a terrible existence, you know. It just, you know, it's not. Doctor Mark, yeah. just just to speak on that, I I had that happen to me. I I had a grand mal seizure in my sleep one night and woke up in a hospital bed the following day, tied down with a catheter, uh, ET dots all over my chest, big old tube going down my throat. It was insane. Okay, and uh, the mm -hmm. doctors put me on on Dilantin, on anti seizure medicine. And uh, and I started just having crazy, crazy, crazy side effects from that. I would sleep for like 20 hours a day. I, I didn't like being around anybody. I, I actually hated just even even living. It was totally miserable. And I went to the doctor and I told him all of these different uh, side effects that I was having uh, from from the medication. And do you know what happened? They took my blood. OK, and you're going to this is the most craziest thing ever. They took my blood and then. Uh, the levels of the Dilantin were supposed to be in between ten and twenty. My levels were over thirty when they when they mm -hmm. when they took when 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 they took my blood when I told them I was experiencing these different things and they made me actually uh, uh, they they made me they they drove me over to the to to the to the crazy house to detox off of the pharmaceutical drugs that they had prescribed. It was absolutely crazy asinine thing that I, I think has ever happened to me personally just another convenient reminder on why it's called practicing medicine yeah well that, that, that that's what i told him i told him i said i'm not his guinea pig and like if he doesn't have uh, like i ultimately uh throughout the throughout that whole process i ultimately quit dilantin cold turkey which they say you're not supposed to do at all but basically i just came to a point to saying where i would rather have um a fewer days with a higher quality of life as being my normal self as opposed to the person that this drug makes me and so i said i said screw it and i totally quit cold turkey and that's and we're here today yeah i mean so the bottom they line is, is how, how this article and how this realization in places like australia that knows that cbd has its place 
helping with intractable treatment of intractable epilepsy and related disorders is that that has to unwind the schedule one listing of a plant from which these substances are derived mm-hmm. how can something that acts so quickly to end seizures in kids be from a plant that's schedule one which by definition has no known medical use no mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to come unwound yeah and there no. needs to be more sensible realistic regulation and this has to I think happen with Congress to change the laws and I think the DEA and HHS throwing this schedule three thing over the fence at each other is all a bunch of hooey Mm -hmm. it's a bunch of bullshit they have to remove cannabis from the schedule because there's FDA drugs that are approved with the active ingredients derived from said plant, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. You know, that's crazy. You know, Dr. Mark, I think you're onto something with you. You're saying there's a bunch of hooey right there. We have to hit them and talk to them in their language and tell Joe Robinette Biden that this is a bunch of malarkey. If you maybe. if you want to speak to Joe Biden in his native tongue, then you need to be in dreamland sleeping, Rico. How about a hee-haw for that, Jason? Yeah, I don't know. He hasn't. He it's not on the soundboard yet, Doctor Mark. You can't just expose yeah. that. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. <laughs> it wasn't ready. It wasn't donkeys ready. and elephants, yeah, man. Yeah, man, it's coming. It's We're coming. run by donkeys and elephants. That's it's right. Crazy. That's right. That's, That's why we prefer beef, elephant man. stampedes. Let's go to the island of the Doctor Moreau and get some hybrid beasts in there. How about that? Oh, there's the donkey. Yes, there's the donkey. There yeah, we go. And Adam legs, got it together. Shout out, shout out, Adam, the production specialist over here at High at Nine News. Yes. Um, on that, we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. Sick of the December cold? Then fly out to Miami in December for Turk Basil. December 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. Presented by Sherbinsky's at Skatebird in Miami. With tons of your favorite brands in attendance for this four-day event. As well as High at Night News as one of the media partners. With live performances throughout the week by Dead Prez, Mayday, Visions Band, and Washi Fire. So, do like the birds and fly south to Miami for Turk Basil this winter, December 7th through the 10th in Miami, Florida. What's Basil? Basil. So, it's it's, it's Art Basil, but this is a cannabis event during Art Basil in Miami, Florida. It's one of the largest art art events in Florida. It's an amazing, amazing event. And... uh, Yes. Big shout out to Mario. Big shout out to Sherbinsky's. Yes. You know Big shout outs to Mario. And I actually saw the guys from Turp Basil last night at National Hash Hole Day last night. So they're in town too. Ooh. Yes. Hole of hash. Mm-hmm. Hole of hash. Oh God, I'm not even touching that one with a ten foot pole, Rico. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're That's trying bait. to go. Exactly. That is bait. I saw it. But you know what, Jason? It's time for your introduction, and uh, you know what? You are known for smoking the best weed in the world, Yes. and um, I cannot wait to hear your response on your man, Ron DeStankamonius, <laughs> going head-to-head last night with Gavin Newsom, but the Today Show is not about that. Today, well, hold, hold on. Since, since, since you bring that up, I do have to read you this one. <laughs> just, just this one. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just this one. Just this one text that I got from my aunt last night. Okay, she's like, "Have you ever heard so much bullshit in 13 minutes?" And she's referring to the Gavin Newsom Ron DeSantis debate. 
And then she then she texts me and she says this. You're going to love this. She says, it's really kind of funny. Ron with his woman voice and Gavin with his voice sounding like he has lung cancer. My record is better than yours. She's on fire. You know, I, I just wish they would have put a, a Newsom and a, um, a DeSanctimonious a little closer uh, together so we can see how tall he really is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been that would have been gold. That would have been gold. Yes, I agree. Oh, but what you got president. Well, no, no, they they probably would have had him uh, like they've had others when they when they're shorter. They stand on a little pedestal, a little thing behind the podium, so they can't see, but they're still elevated. So you probably yeah, they would give him those, those little yeah. step stool. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like Shout when you go to the doctor's office, you, you doctors like know those those little step stools look like. <laughs> <laughs> the pediatrician's office exactly <laughs> well a new bill by republican lawmakers would change ohio's marijuana law the race is on to alter ohio's marijuana law before it goes into effect on thursday representative gary click republican from vickery recently introduced house bill 341 which would change how the revenue funds would be allocated and allow municipalities to ban marijuana dispensaries and home grow. Ohioans passed issue two with 57% of the vote, which legalizes and regulates the cultivation, manufacturing, testing, and the sale of marijuana to Ohioans 21 and up. It also legalizes home grow for Ohioans 21 and up with a limit of six plants per person and 12 plants per residence and emphasizes a 10% tax at the point of sale of each transaction. What's in the bill, you ask? Well, this bill wipes out an entire section of the law that prohibits municipalities from banning home grow, marijuana use, and levying special taxes or fees on marijuana businesses. Issue 2 creates five funds in the state treasury, the Adult Use Tax Fund, the Cannabis Social Equity and Jobs Fund, the Host Community Cannabis Fund, the Substance Abuse and Addiction Fund, and the Division of Cannabis Control and Tax Commissioner Fund. It's a lot of funds going on. HB 341 would split the substance abuse funds in two, the Substance Abuse uh, Research and Education Fund and the Substance Abuse Addiction and Recovery Fund. It would also add the add Law Enforcement Cannabis Training Fund. Because of the revenue alterations, the bill changes how the funds would be allocated. Instead of 36% going to both the Cannabis Social Equity Jobs Fund and the Host Community Cannabis Fund, the bill proposes cutting each down to 19.4%. Issue 2 allocates 25% of the Substance Abuse and Allocation Fund, but HB 341 proposes 19.4% go towards the Substance Abuse Research and Addiction Education Fund. Uh, Click's bill allocates 19.4% to both Substance Abuse Addiction and Recovery Fund and the Law Enforcement Cannabis Training Fund. In a quote, we are going to respond to every single bill that gets proposed, but we are monitoring and watching what's going on in the General Assembly, said Tom Heron, a spokesperson for the Coalition to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol, the group behind Issue 2. What other Ohio Republicans are saying is ever since Issue 2 passed, Republicans haven't been shy about wanting to make changes to the proposed marijuana law. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine uh, said he continues to have discussions about Issue 2 with Senate President Matt Hoffman, Republican from Lima, and House Speaker Jason Stevens, Republic Republican from Kitts Hill. In a quote, he says, I think we're going to see some action shortly, DeWine told reporters Wednesday afternoon. And DeWine previously said he has three main priorities he wants to address. Guardrails for children, 
tax policy, and safety on the roads. The governor also previously said he wants lawmakers to come on agreement before the law goes into effect on Thursday. <laughs> uh, good luck with that. And uh, when asked about Click's bill, Stevens said he hasn't looked at the bill's details. And in quotes, there's a lot of I- different ideas, he-, he told reporters Wednesday. As I've mentioned before, it's an important issue. We want to make sure we have that fully vetted. He wasn't sure if a marijuana reform bill would make it to the House floor next week. And in quotes, he says, I think we're uh, coal ceiling ceiling around some ideas that can. You can gain the support of the majority of the House, Stephen says. What what those what what those in detail are will hopefully come out sooner rather than later, he says. Well, 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 it sounds like they're going to change some of the will of the voters out there in Ohio. And I wonder if any of these politicians will actually face any type of electoral consequences come around this next election time to it to, because of this. I seriously doubt they will. But nonetheless, I'm going to digress and see what y'all have to say. This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do y'all think? I think that Representative uh, Gary Click is still pissed off that the, uh, they lost to the Wolverines on Saturday, and he's taking it out on the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. I mean, what, what what do you two doctors think? You think you think that the that they should be they should be changing these tax structures and all this after after a vote on, voted on by the will of the people? Well, you know, if the, I, under, go go ahead. Go ahead, Doctor. I'm not a uh, legal expert, so it's hard to comment on. But there it seems like they just got a bounty with this new law, and they're trying to divide it up. And see who gets what, but I, I am in favor of anything that helps improve research. The only problem is, is the studies on on driving. You know, there's no evidence that driving with cannabis is, is uh, causing problems. So I think they're wasting money by trying to direct it to that. I have I have plenty of evidence, Doctor T, that driving while on cannabis doesn't cause problems. Well, I I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I have, I have, I have miles upon miles of of no traffic violations or citations and whatnot recorded. So, yeah, <laughs> in, a, in a control in a controlled environment. Yeah, I was controlled in the car, controlling the wheel and the and the gas pedal and the brake, maybe the clutch. Yeah, man. Yeah, this yeah, is. A, I, it, I don't know why they invent problems. Exactly. Yeah. What What were your thoughts on this, Doctor Mark? Well, I was just going to reiterate what we always talk about here on High at Nine, which is that anything that favors the trap market is, you know, a step in the wrong direction. And certainly, like you've always said, Jason, we need to be working on lowering taxes Mm -hmm. on legalized cannabis, not on, you know, putting more taxes in there. All that said, you know, I know that there's a lot of information recently about people using breathalyzers and whatnot or you know saliva tests or some type of um, uh, body fluid or something like that Um, and until they correlate those data to driver impairment in a statistically significant swath of the population of users it's all just meaningless bullshit now they did that with alcohol, and we know what you know level of alcohol you are now driving impaired. Haven't done that with cannabis, and until they do that, like you said, Jason, we're not actually sure. And like Dr. Talleyrand has reiterated, we're not exactly sure whether or not cannabis really 
impairs the driver as much as it, it just maybe changes the way that they interact with their environment and changes their awareness. Like they could see a stop sign clearer because they're paying attention more. But, you know, this has to be borne out in statistical data mm-hmm. that's statistically mm-hmm. significant. And until that study is done, this is just all bullshit. Well, yep. it does impair driving. I mean, it's clear that it impairs driving, but it doesn't cause accidents. That's really the bottom line. Yeah, you drive slower. You don't have a quicker response time, um, but you're not getting into accidents. And so they're looking for trouble well, where there isn't. Well, that, that, that's I, the I, thing. I propose that, the National Highway uh, Transportation Institute should. Um, I want to participate um, in that. Should, they should, they should implement a HOW lane, high on weed lane, uh, so that all the high drivers can just drive slow in their own shit, separated from the rest of the people. There you go. Problem solved. Rico for president. Let's go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what. I, I would I would definitely want to participate in a study like that. And, and, and Dr. T, they, they have had a couple studies about that, but I believe all the studies actually show that uh, that people while driving on cannabis actually use actually more caution. They are less apt to speed when on cannabis, and they're more likely to stop a little bit longer at a stop sign. Not and so, oh, yeah, yeah, very non-aggressive habits as opposed to alcohol, um, which gives you very aggressive habits, has you speed and whatnot, running stop signs and whatnot. And so, so I, I think I think intoxication, um, uh, intoxications, uh, um, what happens afterwards from intoxication should be more of the conversation as opposed to actual intoxication because right. if we Cannabis want to talk about intoxication intoxi- yeah we, if we want to talk about intoxicants we could be talking about caffeine as as an intoxicant as well and and you know that right. and all of that well, and so there, there's tons of different substances that yeah well there's tons of different substances we put into our bodies every day that 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 are Probably. normal that, that 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 all technically coffee. could fall under these same categories the question is does your morning coffee cause accidents I mean, if you if you hold on, if you if you spill it, I would say yes. If if you're that if you're the accidents, you don't each morning here. Hold on, Doctor T. You don't remember back in the day that lady that got that hot cup of McDonald's coffee and put it between her legs and then drove off and spilled it on her legs and sued McDonald's for having the coffee too hot. I, I vaguely remember she, that. She got paid big time. She got big M's from McDonald's for that, and they changed their whole policy on their hot coffee after that. What they made it less hot. They did. They did make it less oh, hot. Oh wow! Yep, you got colder coffee from McDonald's now. The caution. Yep, they got the caution on there. On they now. they give you a lid now yeah. with a little spill proof, little dippy thingy, and all kinds of stuff now. <laughs> Just like Starbucks. I think we need to consult with McDonald's. They have the. They have. <laughs> yep. Not to mention they have. The, got the answer. Not to mention they have the cocaine license, Rico. That's. I thought it was Coca Cola. Oh, that is Coca Cola. Sorry, 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 sorry. My bad. My bad. Whoops. Oh well. Yeah, on that, we're going to roll right into Dr. Gene. Yeah, we're going to roll right into Dr. Gene Talleyrand. He's the founder of CESC and has been writing recommendations for over 20 years plus to patients in need throughout California and anywhere else in the world they may possibly be via a teleconference. That's right, it's none other than Dr. Gene Talleyrand. Thanks, Jason. A happy Friday, everyone. So my story today is from the Emerald Triangle's redheaded black belt. Uh, it's about a federal class action lawsuit that I've been following for about a year now. Um, Humboldt County strikes back with response to Institute of Justice claims 
in federal class action lawsuit against the cannabis abatement program by Nicole Norris. So this lawsuit was initially brought by the Institute of Justice, a national nonprofit law group, in response to Humboldt County's cannabis abatement program. A couple years after cannabis legalization, several property owners received notices for alleged cannabis-related violations, where they were tasked to remediate the property and remove structures. The notices threatened penalties of up to $10,000 per day or bring the property up to pre-cannabis conditions, such as remediating logging roads, replacing culverts, and removing soil with perlite to prevent runoff. The lawsuit was initially dismissed in a trial court on May 12th of this year. Uh, on September 21st, the Institute of Justice filed an appeal with the Ninth Circuit. On November 22nd, the county struck back with an 84-page response, claiming that they were just doing their job. Basically, they state that it's been too long since the events happened and or the issues aren't ready to be addressed. They also claim that the, that the defendants haven't lost anything and that they can fix the problem. They write, for any and all of these reasons, this ambitious but baseless attack on routine enforcement of local land use must fail. After Prop 64, California's controlled tax and regulate law, land, land and water use became more complex, particularly for non-cannabis permitted rural property owners in Humboldt. Uh, guilty by geographical association, they became code enforcement criminals because of a hoop house, a chicken coop, or structures within 100 feet and 50 feet of a seasonally dry creek that may have been on the property before purchase. Over 50 property owners, some of them new owners, received abatement notices to tear down structures uh, believed to be associated with cannabis or received daily fines. Brandon Houghton, code enforcement officer, estimates 800 properties need abatement, adding, um, we uh, need abatement. Uh, we didn't even scratch the surface. In many cases, taxes have been paid on these structures to the county for decades. In the case of plaintiff Rhonda Olson and Corrine and Doug Thomas, their titles had no indication of abatement issues when they purchased the property. Humboldt count, count, Humboldt's cannabis abatement program has affected the rural real estate market. The red-headed black belt proposes that the risk of abatement penalty is contributing to a reduction in property value and possibly an increase in foreclosure and for sale signs. Garberville and Whitehorn, Southern Humboldt County towns, have some of the highest foreclosure rates in the nation. Garberville ranks fifth on the list and Whitehorn ranks ninth. So Humboldt County's rural residents eagerly await the appellate court's decision. A decision in favor of the plaintiffs could stabilize the local real estate market and economy. The Institute of Justice plans to file a response after Christmas and the case will likely be set for argument around the first week of May. A lot of my patients reside in Humboldt County. After decades of growing cannabis, Humboldt County residents must now pivot and find an alternate occupation. Is this a final blow to Humboldt County's economy, or will the Institute of Justice save the day? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand with Hyatt 9 News. Man, the triangle cannot catch a break, man. No. 
they can't. This is this is crazy, Doctor T. This, yeah, they got to find something else to do because the they don't their government doesn't want them to grow anymore there. No, it doesn't. It does. It doesn't sound like they, they like they they want anything to do with cannabis at all up there in the Emerald Triangle, and it was such. Is, isn't it, J- Jason? Isn't it a matter that the right amount of greenbacks have just not been transacted to the right people to make this thing work? You know, there's something called terroir, and certainly the Golden Triangle or the 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 Trinity Emerald. Triangle, whatever. Well, the Emerald Triangle. <laughs> I mean, this is a fucking resource for the state of California for jobs, for economic development. This is a unique thing in the world, and it needs to be guarded and protected. And the people who make a living up there need to be able to be able to say, hey, I can do this for the next 20 or 30 years and have a career here and not just move away or else you're going to get rural blight and rural blight sucks. It just to me, I I don't understand why they can't figure it out with the wine industry. It's the same thing with California wine, California weed. It's almost I can tell you I can tell you why I can tell you why Gavin Newsom. Yeah, Jason, let, let me ask the question before you tell us why. Is that the undertow here that basically pulls the rug out from being able to get this as a business economic development for the state of California? Well, it's the wine industry. Well, Is it really? No. Well, well they, they the, the locals up there, uh, like a majority of the locals, uh, other industries don't want it happening up there. They view it as a black eye that it's a it uh, it uh, takes resources away from the Emerald Triangle and this and that. And the, and it's basically they just don't they, they don't want it up there as as far as the majority of the people up there and the people that are in government don't want it up there. Not to mention you have you have the situation where uh, California allows for municipalities to ban uh retails so therefore they have a lack of outlets to actually sell their product in you can't even come close to comparing it with wine because wine has a full market across all all the states and internationally and because cannabis is a schedule one drug they are limited to that very small market share of 600 stores or whatever we have here in the state of california and any anything else they have to resort to uh to often the stuff off a metric and selling it in the trap I think they, I think, I think they messed up releasing those numbers. I think it was like six, seven years ago when they said that um, that a uh, an acre of cannabis uh, will yield ten times the amount of an acre of wine grapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's been a, an all-out war since then. And they've been trying to like suppress Humboldt but County. Is, is it is it that. recognized uh, around the world that this is basically the cradle of the U.S. cannabis? industry it, it, it is it, that, it, 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 you're, you're correct on that the problem is that the locals don't want it recognized as that and so therefore they do everything within their power to make sure that it is not and they want to try to extinguish the flame instead of fanning the flame and they have and they and they have nobody except for the cannabis industry uh to actually credit for the place that they are now mm-hmm. well I, I, how do they what is their vision for economic s- sustainability in the region logging there is no vision. Really? There is. I don't think there is a vision. There's no I, vision. I, 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 don't, I don't think there is a vision like that. I think the vision is is keep it quaint and quiet and and, and 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 you know what I'm saying. Just very very hush hush and uh, don't come up here and bother us and we won't come down there and bother you. 
NIMBYism. Mm-hmm. Because California is known <laughs> for Lots of NIMBYs. Lots of NIMBYs up there. That's for sure. We support cannabis. just not here. Yep. 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 That's They're making I'm a mistake. I agree, Dr. T. They're making a huge, huge, huge mistake on this. Without a doubt. Hey. Yes. Yeah, we we got to do all that we can to amplify the message of Humboldt County, amplify the message of the uh, Emerald Triangle. Uh, that is our holy land yes. and our and, industry. And you know, and we must the, preserve that. you know, you know, the crazy part. I, I saw another article today that were, they were it's not on our it's not on our roster for us to cover. But uh, uh, Mike Katz, he, the director of the uh, the um, the Mendocino uh, Council up there, he's 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 resigning at the end of the year. And so they're going to have to find. Oh, some you're new kidding. Leaders. Yep, they're going to have to find some new leadership there. His last month is December. Um, and so but on that, we have to run to a commercial and we're going to be right back. Let's go. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Ah, uh, yeah, stop whatever you're doing and make sure you hit that like button. I know you'll appreciate it. We appreciate it, and YouTube appreciates it, and you'll feel better after you do it as well. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're not subscribed already, and all of the articles that we cover on today's show you can read on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. Also, as of January 1st of next year, we are going to be moving the channel to Hyatt 9 News. H-I-G-H-A-T-N-I-N-E news on YouTube. And so make sure that you go and follow us there. Adam's going to throw a little link to the channel up in the chat. That way you can find it super, super easy. So make sure that you go and subscribe there to the channel. We're going to build that channel up as well. And that's where the live show will be daily. And we will be putting a ton of other content on this channel here currently high at number nine news. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. No. No. Oh, yeah. He's an expert in organic chemistry, specializing in natural product chemistry, plant oil extraction analysis, and chemical modification based in the Northeast, but known for calling out booth cart peddlers worldwide. Here to drop a little Friday science on us is Dr. Mark Chaudon. You like that one? Yeah, thanks, Rico. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're having a good week and hope you have great plans for the weekend. Remember, if you do get pulled over, to shut the fuck up or STFU. Yeah. Um, I'd like to shout out my uh, colleague, Dr. Talleyrand. Always got great information. Love his stories. Love all the dialogue around it. Uh, and I also want to shout out my fish homies who just announced their uh, residency at the uh, Sphere in Las Vegas next April. So next April 20th on 420, you know where you'll find me. In a sphere in Las Vegas, watching the fish from Vermont. So anyway, my story is about our favorite THC isomer, uh, Delta Eight, and it comes from the uh, the magazine called High Times. I think we've heard of this one. <laughs> 
and it's called South Carolina Bill Would Tax and Regulate Delta 8 THC. Delta 8 THC market is bigger than ever before, regulated like hemp, but South Carolina would change that if one proposal takes root. Uh, Representative Rosalind Henderson Myers from Spartanburg, South Carolina, Democrat, filed a bill under South Carolina's upcoming legislative session that seeks to create regulations around Delta 8 THC and similar products which can be sold anywhere <laughs> that hemp products are sold. H4628 was pre-filed in South Carolina House on November the 16th and referred to the Committee of Medical, Military, Public, and Municipal Affairs. Wow, that is some committee. Medical, Military, Public, and Municipal Affairs. What else does government do? <laughs> Uh, the bill would create a new set of rules for production for the sale of Delta 8 products under the proposal. Only adults 21 uh, years or older could purchase those types of products. The bill would also establish a tax at the retail level imposing a 5% sales tax. The tax revenue would be allocated towards regulating the industry according to the bill. Producers and retailers would be licensed in the state and any hemp-derived cannabinoid, any hemp-derived cannabinoid, uh, produced or sold in the state must be tested for pesticides, toxins, uh, to ensure uh, that it contains a legal amount of Delta-9 THC. Well, that's interesting. They're testing something that's actually not coming from a plant extract. It's coming from a synthetic reaction and they're testing it for pesticides. If they're using pure CBD and chemically converting it to Delta-8, why do you need to test that for pesticides? You'd be testing for residual solvents and purity. So I think the fact that they're testing for pesticides tells you how uninformed this bill is. Uh, the license um, uh, would be in addition to, oh, I'm sorry, let me, I skipped a paragraph. So producers and retailers would be licensed by the state uh, to produce any hemp-derived cannabinoid produced or sold in the state must be tested for pesticides, toxins, to ensure that it contains a legal amount of Delta-9 THC. So they're still trying to keep the amount of Delta-9 to a minimum when, Dr. T, I'm sure you'll agree with me, Delta-9 and Delta-8 have very little difference in terms of their of their activity on humans. They act just about the same. And in terms of their binding to the CB1 receptor, they're about the same level of potency. The reason why people often anecdotally report Delta-8 to be less active is because there's a whole lot of other crap in that Delta-8 that basically lowers the potency. Okay, back to the article. Uh, the, the license would be in addition to other regulated businesses requiring uh, this type of licensing. The annual licensing fee would be about $500 for producers, $250 for retailers, according to the pre-file bill draft. Products would have to uh, uh, pass a variety of safety or would have a variety of safety labeling and uh, be contained in child-resistant packaging. These products are not controlled substances in South Carolina. Uh, so the quote, uh, unquote, uh, enforcement that we see uh, uh, is misguided in the view of an existing law-based uh, uh, or lawyer based in North Carolina named Rod Kite. Well, we know who Rod Kite is. Rod Kite is a known 
lawyer who shills for the hemp industry, right? Um, uh, this is why I think it's important uh, that this bill gets passed to absolutely make this absolutely clear. Well, what he's saying here is that these products are not controlled substances in South Carolina. Wait a second. South Carolina in the United States, because these are controlled substances in the United States, maybe South Carolina has done it again. They've seceded from the United States. So despite the warnings from law enforcement, these products are considered to be uh, illegal by the state. Kite provides services to the hemp businesses due to the rapidly changing legal landscape around hemp. Mike Sims, one of his clients, was subject to the murky laws around hemp. Sims's store in Columbia, South Carolina, Crown Tan Can Cannabis, was raided last January when police said he was selling marijuana. Kite, Kite clarified, however, Sims' store was selling hemp-derived products, not marijuana. What? Come on. Trap. Uh, it's a trap. It's a trap. Confusion about what constitutes hot hemp is also an issue in South Carolina. Law firm Collins and Lacey reported recently that the Columbia Police Department sent over letters to 30 retailers in the city informing them that Delta 8 is an illegal substance. The Columbia, uh, Columbia Police Department is likely following up with the South Carolina Attorney General, or I'm sorry, is likely following up with the South Carolina that. Uh, in a memo in, in October 4th on, uh, uh, in 2021 with the opinion that Delta-8 is an illegal substance. Per the state law, the manufacture, distribution, and schedule of or, and possession of Schedule 1 drugs is illegal and carries penalties in ranging from imprisonment up to six months and or fines up to $1,000 for the first offense for simple possession to imprisonment of five to 20 years and or up fines up to $20,000 and a third offense for manufacturing and distribution. South Carolina Penal Code, and there's a long string of letters here, unless it specifically exempted tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, of any kind is listed as a Schedule One drug separate and apart from marijuana. Therefore, the manufacture, distribution, and or possession of any form of THC, including Delta-8, would be illegal unless specifically exempted by another statute. The legal gray area on whether or not uh, South Carolina's Hemp Farming Act specifically outlaws Delta-8 THC has been seen in the popularity due to a legal loophole in federal regulations in the 2018 Farm Bill that limits Delta-9 THC only to 0.3% in hemp products but has no limit on Delta-8 THC. High Times reported on the significant differences between Delta-8 and Delta-9 THC. Researchers have known about it for decades. Roger Adams and a team of researchers from the University of Illinois were the first to report the partial synthesis of Delta-8 in 1941. It wasn't until 1966 when Dr. Raphael Meshulam and his colleague Yakin Ganawani 
achieved the total synthesis of Delta-8 as part of their groundbreaking work at Hebrew University. In 2002, Dr. Meshulam applied for a patent for the conversion of CBD into Delta-8 and TH3 through various methods, which was granted in 2008 but expired in 2022. Lawsuit filed on September 6, 2022 by John Trenton Paterovis uh, and it alleges a trio of state agencies, the South Carolina Enforcement Division, the Department of Agriculture, and the Attorney General's Office all denied him due process after the Department of Agriculture officials showed up unreported hemp crops during the check of his Dorchester County property on July 30th, 2019, according to the Associated Press. So that's the story. It sounds like there's a bill to basically regulate Delta-8 and hemp-derived cannabinoids that certainly does fall outside the, uh, the federal law, uh, which basically strictly prohibits uh, THC isomers, including Delta-8 as a Schedule One substance. Uh, but, you know, you're down in South Carolina where, you know, the Delta-8 business is uh, strong. A lot of hemp grown down there and a lot of people with economic investment uh, put into it that want to see that bill move forward. So uh, that's the story. Be interested what you guys all have to say. And uh, happy Friday from Dr. Mark here on the shores of Lake Champlain in Vermont. South Cackalack, man. Dr. Mark, you, uh, this, you, you know, th this sounds like basically kind of, uh, kind of what... Uh, how California kind of started with medical cannabis as far as just shunning the nose to the federal government and saying, hey, we're going to allow this, da 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 da, da regardless if it's a controlled substance. Well, so, 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 so there is a thing in, in, if you read, if you Google the Controlled Dangerous Substance Act, mm -hmm. um, uh, you'll see they have a table that gives you the schedules and the listing of all the different substances. And on code 7370, it's for tetrahydrocannabinols, and it says Delta-9 THC, Delta-8 THC, cannabinol, and some other trade names that are part of the, the FDA-approved drugs for, that contain THC. So basically what it says is that THC is a controlled substance. We, we, we know it, it shouldn't be Schedule One, but they have it under Schedule One, and the Controlled Dangerous Substance Act predates the farm bill, and that's what basically the DEA enforces. I think where this becomes really murky is that the farm bill <clears throat> regulates hemp plants while they're alive, and after they're harvested, there is no more USDA regulation yep. of harvested hemp. That's true. That falls into the bailiwick of the FDA, and as we were mentioning earlier, FDA needs a new regulatory structure to, to regulate herbal products like cannabis that, that doesn't exist today. The problem with, with it, and John, I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's a revolving door between the pharmaceutical industry and big industrial food and the FDA. So the people who are regulating the industry came from the industry from which they're regulated. I, I, I guess this is just, this happens in the defense industry all the time. Right, the people who regulate the defense industry used to be defense contractors and are yes. you know good buddies and well, that's the same going thing with the financial industry too. The same thing with the financial industry too. Yeah. Like a lot of yeah. industries, so, 
And I mean, even 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 cannabis industry, sometimes you get that. So so the 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 FDA, well, certainly the FDA had nothing to do with this, but when they when they when they contemplated the passing of the farm bill, they didn't contemplate what was going to happen to that hemp. So once the hemp is tested and it's below Delta nine THC and that's decarboxylated THCA, you know, these people are playing this THCA game and thinking, well, you know, hey, it's got THCA that's high, but the THC is low. But what they're forgetting to tell you is that THCA is 87% THC. So there's no high THCA hemp bullshit game to play. But, you know, these are just risky businesses to be in if you're making psychoactive cannabinoids outside the regulated cannabis industry. And I don't think it was Congress's intent when they passed the Farm Bill to basically do the end around on the Controlled Dangerous Substance Act on Delta 8 THC. But that's my opinion. I'm not an attorney. The good old reach around. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, maybe we'll see some regulation on uh, on Delta 8 in, in South Carolina. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it, it'd be nice if they stopped selling it in, in like every every single store. Well, they had designated stores for it with like ID checks or something. How about they like just that. open it up to, to THC? How about that? Yeah, I mean, I've said it all along. If they had unfettered access to good Delta 9 THC, they wouldn't need Delta 8. Mm -hmm. Delta 8 is a synthetic product that's not extracted from the plant. It's made by a bunch of amateur chemists in a warehouse somewhere. Uh, wait a second, you know? It's hitting the same receptors as the stuff from the plant, but why don't we just give people access to the stuff from the plant? Let them grow their own and let them have access to high-quality cannabis products like concentrates, vape pens, and gummies and all that, and, and we won't, there won't be a need for this bullshit because people will think Delta-8, my gosh, why do I need Delta-8 if this Delta-9 works great? We all know Delta-9 works great. Delta-9 is what they need. You know what, Dr. Mark? It sounds to me like they're just beating around the booth. Beating around oh, the booth. Oh, I see what you did there, Rico. I like that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I, 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 I gotta I, I gotta jump in, in into this in, into this next story before before I we give it to us quick, Jason. Yes, yes. Uh, Rico, you're gonna you're gonna love this, okay? Because that's What'd right. You got? You it got? comes out of you know, you know how we love to do things in Detroit, Rico. That's right. What's behind the rise in marijuana dispensary break-ins? And we got a video, too, Adam, so let me know when you're ready to prove that. Well, new this morning, there is an alarming trend. Break-ins at marijuana dispensaries, not only across America, but here in Metro Detroit, too. Now, in the last two weeks alone, thieves targeted two marijuana dispensaries on Detroit's east side in the middle of the night. 7 Action News reporter Peter Maxwell spoke with a local marijuana dispensary employee who says more needs to be done to protect employees, customers, and the cash. I'm at Live Cannabis right off of Jefferson and Navajo, and right here on the ground is shattered glass. And Looks like it just hail. shows the latest breaking attempt by an organized crime ring here in Metro Detroit targeting dispensaries like this one, all for cash and weed. I don't know if there's going to be a way to stop this, uh, and I don't know where it does stop. It's a concern echoed by many workers in Michigan's marijuana industry. This one didn't want to be identified, but does want change to protect these businesses. They're being watched. They're being, it, it's an organized group that is testing them. You know, they're uh, doing several things to kind of see what response. Detroit police tell me since January, there have been a total of 20 incidents involving marijuana dispensaries, 16 burglaries, and four larcenies. 
Live Cannabis on Jefferson has been hit twice in two weeks. I obtained surveillance video showing armed suspects casing the building and even trying to break into the back door. Then on Wednesday morning at 5.30, thieves ripped the door off the hinges and tried going through the drywall to gain access. We spoke to the building's owner who wished to remain anonymous. They break into the door and they pull up the scissor left door, two of them. They tried to get in into the dispensary from that vacant unit. Cannabis Regulatory Agency Director Brian Hanna says without access to traditional banking and regular credit cards, dispensaries are a prime target for thieves. We've seen it time and time again in this state, but it's a national issue. Uh, anywhere you have regulated cannabis. The dispensaries have to rely on local banks, credit unions, and unmarked armored trucks to transport their cash. Hanna and industry professionals are urging the federal government to pass the Safe Banking Act, which would allow marijuana retailers access to federal banking institutions. Workers <laughs> agree. There has to be an escalation of uh, a force, uh, in, in a sense of, there needs to be more or less a show of force in that we can guard our place. In Detroit, I'm Peter Maxwell, 7 Action News. Well, 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 what do you guys think about this? All the crime action going on in Detroit, Michigan with all these guys. What is happening? What is happening? Well, I, I can tell you because I've lived in Detroit. Um, I actually went to graduate school in Detroit at Wayne State University. Uh, that is particularly a, a terrible neighborhood over there. It's just always been very, very ridden with crime. Uh, that area of Detroit. Now that said, I mean, there's a huge, again, commercial incentive. I think when when people have that kind of money for these, you know, robberies shit to happen. We've seen this in Oakland and in San Francisco, and yeah, it, it's not you know isolated to certainly uh, this out in Detroit. It's just a new phenomenon out there. But that area of east detroit has always kind of been historically known for kind of like high crime area on jefferson but um that 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 said that said banking like it's not safe banking it is safe banking. it's economic depression it's, it's all safe, yeah, it's I all used safe to, banking rico i have a question I used to for consult you. With, I, go ahead doctor go ahead I, doctor I just to re 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 relate a quick story if i could i used to consult yes. with a group used to do that transaction over at harborside so they would go to harborside and like do like a, a i think they would bring like product from production to the dispensary and then in that same armored truck pick up all the cash and then bring bring it back where, where are they bringing cash to in the middle of the night in oakland you know it's like ah it's like there's no safe place to do this. You know, you couldn't do this in the middle of the desert and it'd be safe. So wherever that's being done, you have to have armed guards all around. It looks like a prison estate. Be able to just make that transaction and do it safely. And then all they were doing is they were actually putting it into a double reinforced shipping container because they couldn't bring it to a bank. You know, it's just, yeah, it's ripe crime opportunity. I just so, wanted to share that. So, 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 Rico, I, I, I'm, yep. I, I'm shocked. Okay, in the video, I, maybe you picked up on this, maybe you didn't, but I'm really impressed with how fast <laughs> that this dispensary got their windows replaced and the whole little stickers back on the window because That's the D man, because he, he was, he, he was standing out there and it didn't look like anything. And, and like, in all honesty, I don't even know if that was actually the windows that were broken because those little pieces hey. that he said were glass to me look like hail. 
it, you know what is is the automotive manufacturing cap? Is it still the automotive manufacturing capital of the world? I don't think Detroit is, but um, they're so Detroit used to replacing used to be. car windows and shit out there. Out well, there. now probably, it's yeah. the it's the it it's the greater suburbs of Detroit. So the white flight right. left Detroit long time ago, and now all the suburbs like there is a huge gm plant going in to make electric cars diaspora if you will where where the palace of auburn hills used to be but now you're beyond like pontiac i mean it's like white blight and then or you kind of like you know yeah everything out in the suburbs now not necessarily in downtown that's right in fact the palace of auburn hills where the pistons used to play rico that's leveled man they took that building down man we played in the motor city bowl uh, um in the motor city bowl uh um, back in uh 2003 uh in uh, on ford field and i gotta admit it was the most depressing christmas i've ever spent <laughs> it was in detroit on christmas and the um and, and back then when i was 19 years old um the best part about detroit to me was windsor canada <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh no! You, you gotta have a lot of love for Detroit. There's a lot of good, great culture in Detroit. There's great music in Detroit. Motown Not was started in Detroit. Okay, oh, yeah. so just the, oh, yeah. the the contribution of Motown to Americana get, gets Detroit off the hook. But I think in a lot of a lot of cities that kind industry? of economically, what about the automotive industry? A lot of cities that economically that. fail. What happens, Rico, is there's an artist renaissance that's happening in Detroit. Detroit's got a lot of great energy and a lot of great vibes to it, and we shouldn't dump on Detroit. It's a great, great city well, in a great, great state. That's not happening in San Francisco yeah. or Oakland yet, Doctor Mark. <laughs> yeah, it, I just, I just remember, I just, you remember those, uh, um, those default pictures they have on the bars in America that say like under twenty one, don't even try it. Uh, get in here with a fake ID. They had the same ones, but it said under 19, don't even try it over in Windsor. And we had <laughs> damn good time. Club, <laughs> bringing stuff back over the bridge <laughs> back oh, then. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, one quick note uh, on this, Jason. Like, safe banking ain't got shit to do with this. I'm, I'm tired of hearing this. It has everything to do with it. It has everything to do with it. Time and time again. Does the safe banking have anything to do with YSL store in Beverly Hills being broken into? Does safe banking have anything to do with targets being ran up on by kids every single day or Apple stores? No, it has nothing to do with anything. It is economic, lack of economic opportunity for a lot of these young people. And that's why they're breaking into shit and they're stealing whatever they can. That's going to be a period. That's going to be a great soundbite for you, Rico. Safe banking has nothing (laughs) to do with people breaking in and stealing shit. It 100 percent does pass safe banking already. Safe banking. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a throwback for y'all right yes. there. But uh, uh, thank you all for joining us for yet another week of High at Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen to our live audience and online supporters, catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, we always have a great day when we got the doctors on with us on Friday. Big love to Dr. Mark and Dr. T coming in and representing, uh, bringing as much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. And our production team, Cloud Media Partners, Adam, 
<laughs> and our sponsors, <laughs> keeping the lights on, and our AV struggles to a minimum. And as always, Cannabis Steve L, the reason we show up to read these stories every day. Thank you, baby girl. And um, it has been Friday, December 1st. Welcome to December, everybody. Holiday season is upon us. But you've been blessed with the top industry headlines of this week. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until Monday. Dr. Mark, what you got for us, man? What you got? What you got? You drop a little bit more science, sprinkle it on them. We head out today. <laughs> yeah, let's see. What science can we drop today? Well, um, sky is blue is what they say, but what is blue and who are they? So why is the sky blue when you look out there? You know? Does anyone know? It's, 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 it's because the light. It's because yet. it's the spectrum of, of light that's hitting the atmosphere. I, I did a yes, whole thing on this. Raleigh scattering. Yes, there you we know, go. The, the color, the color blue, didn't even exist to the to the ancient Romans, right? The sky well, was here, green. Here, here's the thing I want everyone to pontificate. So when the astronauts were up on the moon, were looking they? at the Earth, what did they see? This beautiful little blue ball. But think about it. What's blue on the Earth? Right? Water's clear, right? <laughs> so the, the 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 blue ball they're seeing is the reflection of the sky off the water or or it might have been just a it might have been like a glimmer oh, from the lights oh i see what stanley you did Kubrick's there dr camera. mark stanley kubrick's camera and I a see. flash on it and that was the blue that they saw so they now, never went to the moon dr mark i have a question earth about is flat this now. i have i have a question about this now if, if that was okay. true why is it that there are some bodies of water that are bluer than others Well, that'll be uh, uh, something yeah. to pontificate. Uh, I, I, yeah, there we go. We'll follow you know, you know, back up next week some, and see if you got that. You know why, Jason? Because some haven't been pissed in yet. That's not You true. know what I'm saying? That's, that's just bluer than the other. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that, that's a, turn well, green. Yeah, we'll wrap on that. <laughs>